Thank you for joining us today and a big thank you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear, recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. Karen and I have been trialing their designs for a few months and we can happily recommend them. All designs are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Activewear, please use our listeners special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. Welcome to the first episode of our Great North Run Nutrition Milestone Series, dedicated to supporting everyone training for the 2022 Great North Run with food and nutrition tips. Today's episode is going to focus on the elements of a run training plan, the importance of a rest day and including active recovery into your plan, and also checking in on the important nutrition foundations which you need to have in place at this stage of your training. We've got lots of other things to share with you. We hope you enjoy the episode and do let us know if there's anything that we can help you with in the next few weeks. Welcome to our Great North Run Nutrition Milestone Series, dedicated to supporting everyone training in the 2022 Great North Run with food and nutrition tips. This is for you if you've got a place in this year's Great North Run and it's your first half marathon, or perhaps you're experienced in half marathons but haven't focused on nutrition before now. So whether this is your first half marathon or your 10th, we aim to support you in being Great North Run ready over the next 16 weeks with strategically timed nutrition tips and advice at every stage of your training plan. We want you to be fit and fueled for race day. We'll share tips and suggestions to give you big results in your running performance. We'll be covering run training milestones, nutrition milestones, rest and recovery rituals, injury healing and recovery tips, mindset mojo, and some Great North Run fun and factoids. Each episode, we will build on the previous episode, so by the time the event day arrives, you're going to feel race ready. And although we're tracking this iconic event, we're sure you'll find the information interesting and helpful for any half marathon preparations. We'd love you to share this episode with your running friends so that they can benefit from the nutritional insights given in this milestone series. We do hope you find our advice helpful. Let us know how you're progressing on your training. We'd love to hear from you. And you can reach us at hello at runnershealthhub.com. And we'd ask you to listen to the end of the episode as we've got a special offer for you. The suggestions we make during this episode are for guidance and advice only and are not a substitute for medical advice or treatment. If you have any concerns regarding your health, please contact your healthcare professional for advice as soon as possible. If you'd like help from Karen and Aileen to design a personalised sports nutrition plan for your running, please contact them at Runners Health Hub. And today it's the first episode of our Great North Run Nutrition Milestone Series, which is dedicated to supporting everyone training for the 2022 GNR. And we'll be looking at sort of food and nutrition tips during this series. So we've scheduled five episodes over the next four months leading up to this year's Great North Run Half Marathon, which takes place, if you don't already know, on Sunday, the 11th of September. 
So we also wanted to say that really our expertise for these episodes is in the realm of nutrition. So when we are talking to you about other aspects of your run training, we are speaking from our experience as runners. Um, We're not running coaches or sports therapy practitioners either. What we can do is recommend other experts if you did feel the need for more specific advice. So just get in contact with us and we'll um, pass on some information. So Aileen, I know that the Great North Run is really close to your heart. Could you maybe tell us why that is? Hi, everybody. Hi, Karen. Uh, Well, I think everybody knows I live very close to the start line of the Great North Run. And when you live in Newcastle, the Great North Run is really just part of our community. And it was my very first half marathon back in 2009. And, um, you know, I've always loved it, even long before I was a runner. You know, I would be a spectator. Um, But since I've become a runner, um, I've just really enjoyed being part of such an iconic event and taking part with friends and family, you know, it's a little bit of a marker in the calendar. Um, and, um, you know, I wouldn't miss it for the world. I really enjoy it. Mm, actually, it's one that I've never done. Um, so maybe one year, Aileen, I can come up and join you. Oh, you'd be very welcome. You're very yeah. welcome. And I think it's, you know, it is a different experience when, uh, you know, it's it's not a run that you you do for a personal best, really. It's more of a run that you do for taking part in it I think unless of course you're in the you know the elite (laughs) line for everybody else it's not quite so easy to to get a best time yeah yeah it's just part of being um sort of part of a of um an iconic run really absolutely yeah yeah Okay, so let's get started. And maybe could you start by explaining who this series is for and why it is important and how it might help any GNR runners and what we'll cover. So a lot of a lot of things for you to impart there, really. Okay, well, yeah, I mean, the series is for you if you're a first time marathon runner and perhaps the Great North Run is your first run, your first uh, half marathon, or perhaps you're an experienced half marathon runner uh, but you haven't focused on nutrition before now so all the tips and advice that we're going to share over the next few weeks will support you with any half marathons even if you're not running the great north run Um, but we're going to be peppering these episodes with lots of uh, great north run tips and advice because i think it is a little bit different from other half marathons um and it is really important because i i think what we're aiming to do karen is we're we're wanting everybody to learn um how to easily put into place strategically timed nutrition tips and advice at every stage of the training plan um so it's there to help runners be great north run ready over the next 16 weeks and um you know as we know that time frame will pass very quickly and we want everyone to feel fit and fueled for rest day for race day um and you know if you if you've entered the race you'll want to be in peak condition so um if you can prepare well um and enjoy the training um, being able to enjoy the race and the recovery phase too uh, will be really important to you. Um, you know, and and even if you you're not living locally or you're not travelling to the race, um, it'll still be hopefully really helpful for you just to um, you know learn a few half marathon tips along the way. So what we're going to cover, um, and we've got a few things that we're going to cover every episode, and we've designed the episodes to cover all the key things which will help you prepare 
both physically and mentally. Um, so in every episode, we're going to have short chats about different aspects of, of your training and preparation. So we're going to be covering run training milestones. So we're going to suggest where you should be in your run training um, on every episode to keep you on track. Uh, we're going to be covering nutrition milestones. So that's going to be what, when and how much to eat as your training progresses. Uh, we're going to be adding in some rest and recovery rituals to support your mind and body throughout the training schedule. Um, unfortunately, on occasion, endurance runners might experience niggly injuries. So we're going to be covering injury healing and recovery tips uh, to help you too. Um, and then there's the, the mindset aspect of it. So we're going to be talking about mindset mojo to help get you through the training challenges and get you mentally prepared for the race. And, and also, there's a lot of fun being part of the Great North Run. So we thought we'd share a few um, Great North Run fun and factoids to help you look forward to the trip to the Northeast. So as I said, in every episode, we're going to build on the previous episode, but so that by the time event day arrives, you're going to feel race ready. So how does that sound, Karen? Actually, Aileen, I have to say, it sounds really detailed and really interesting. And we'll really cover lots of different aspects of training that people will face at sort of different milestones during the, the next 16 weeks. And also how nutrition fits in to these different milestone moments of their training. And you know, I do like the idea of the fun facts and, and factoids as well, because as you know, I do love a factoid. <laughs> so, OK, Aileen, shall we get started now, um, maybe by talking about run training milestones and personalising your run training plan? What What would you say about that? OK, well, um, I think for, for the purpose of our um, series of episodes, uh, we're imagining that by... Um, this sort of um, starting point, if you like, on your training, that um, um, a runner should be able to comfortably run um, 10K or six miles at this point before you get into your serious training. Um, so we're, we're looking at, you know, the race is 16 weeks away. So hopefully you're not a total beginner. I mean, there are some people that will run from zero to half marathon in 16 weeks, and that might be possible if you're already fit and in good shape but if, if I think back to you know my first half marathon um you know I didn't start training until uh, until I'd done a 5k and then I started training in the January and was ready for a run in the September um so I certainly couldn't have done it in 16 weeks so we, we're hoping that the people that are, are on board with us are already at the 10k mark um and obviously there may be some really experienced um half mar marathon runners listening too um but I think the important thing is to have a plan, um, especially if it's your first half marathon or if you haven't run half a marathon for a, a year or more. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that run shorter distances during the year and then they step up to a half marathon. So that's great. Um, and then there's other people that maybe have done a half marathon in the past and suddenly think, oh, I, I know I notice it because of the where I live. Um, you know, the, the month before the Great North Run, you see all these people mm -hmm. appearing that you've never seen before when you've been out running. And, and I've been doing it some years now. I recognize some of them now. And it's quite interesting, the people that just at the last minute put the shoes on and, and you know they obviously can do it but we want to more than just do it we want people to be really well, race ready as we say 
Yeah, absolutely. And Aileen, you were speaking about plans there and how the importance of having a plan. Do you follow um, any online training programs? Yeah, um, I mean, I usually like to have a plan. And um, at the moment, the plan that suits me uh, is um, an ASICS plan. It's a 12-week plan. And the reason I like it is uh, I think it's just a very well-balanced plan. So it includes three to four runs a week, um, including one longer run. And the longer runs uh, step up over the the 12 week period and so at the uh, at week one your long run is only seven kilometers and at week 11 the long run is 18 kilometers Um, and then at periods during uh, the 12 weeks they add in hill runs and they also remind you about stretching about putting in rest rest days and also some cross training so I think it's a nicely balanced plan and it, it focuses on covering the distance and if anybody's interested in the plan I'll put a link into the um, into the show notes, and you can find the blog where where I found it. Um, and the, the, it, it's also featured on the Runkeeper app. If anybody does that, I started using Runkeeper last year, and I quite like it. Um, so you might want to try that. Um, and then, you know, there are lots of online plans. Um, but I think, you know, if you if you are looking at other online plans, just have a close look at them and see if they're really going to support you. Because um, many of the plans focus on on shorter running distances and shorter durations of time. So, for, for instance, there was a, a plan that I downloaded at a half marathon beginners plan, and it was a 12 week program. Um but at the longest uh, run, sort of quite late, maybe about week 10, was 80 minutes. And I was really surprised at that because that's like an hour and 10 minutes. And on race day, you know, particularly if you're a beginner, you're going to run for a lot longer than that. Um, and so if you'd only done it week by week and not really thought that through, it might have been a bit of a shock on race day. Now, I don't know what, you know, the thought processes behind those kinds of running plans. Um, But my advice is just, you know, when you are choosing a plan, read the plan and check if it's going to support you. Um, So I know, Karen, when when you train, your technique is to increase your time when you're out on long runs. So I wondered if you could share any insights about that approach. Yeah, absolutely, Aileen. Um, Well, regarding my long runs, what I tend to do is increase the time because it is more time than miles I look at. So I increase my time by 15 minutes each run. And then what I'll do is every now and again, I'll interject an easy week, which includes reducing the time for my long run. So for example, um, recently, my longest run was two hours 30, so two and a half hours, um, which I'd been increasing progressively over time. But then on my easy week, I reduced the time for my long run back down to 90 minutes. And then the following week, uh, week I went back up to two hours 45. So then again, um, um, progressively increasing it. And, and I have to say, I do think it's something um, that is is really helpful. I think it's important, and I would highly recommend that everybody has a has a, a rest week where the overall mileage is lower, and then sort of physically and psychologically, it can prepare you then for going on to the to the longer distances. And like you were saying, Aileen, about you know sort of the the, the short 
amount of, of minutes running um, at, at week 10, 11, 12 or whatever, um, or 10 probably for a long run, only being 80 minutes when you're going to be running a lot longer in a half marathon. I totally agree with you. I, I, I personally don't think it's it's long enough, although I know there is a theory that um, keeping the the mileage and therefore time lower um, is is going to be more supportive or potentially supportive um, for for a race. But psychologically, I do think sort of getting up to a reasonable time um, and distance for a for a race like a half marathon where you're going to be on your feet for um, a lot a long time is really important it's that time on feet and just knowing psychologically that you're able to stay on your feet for that length of time can be really supportive on the day so um, so I'm with you on that one yeah and I remember you know the first year I did it um I have people said, if you can run nine miles, you'll be able to do a half marathon. And I'm sure that I ran more than nine miles in my training because that's the kind of person I am. I would have done a bit more. But I remember on the race day thinking that was a big fat lie. It's not easy if you can run nine miles. Yeah. It's still really hard. Yes. So, um, so yeah, I, I, I like to be nearer to the, uh, the 13 miles when I'm doing my training. But I do, I love that idea of, having a, a sort of an easy week interjected. And that's why, although we're 16 weeks away and I've talked about a 12-week plan, that allows me to have a bit of buffer zone. So, you know, if I've, I've got a holiday in the middle of it and I might not be able to do the same level of training. So, you know, that kind of thing um, you need to factor in when you're looking at your you're looking at your plan. Yeah. Um, so on the on the week one, on the, the ASICS plan that I mentioned, um, the, the you'll be running a 3k a 4k and a 7k all easy runs so they're quite um it's quite light um and maybe you're already running at a longer distance than that already and if that is that's absolutely fine mm. so so thinking about the great north run then where would these milestones be well, um, for that sort of distance, you, you'd have you'd have made a start. You'd have run along the the motorway tunnel, shouting "oggy oggy oggy," which I'll tell you a bit more about later. Um, you'll have run over the Tyne Bridge, which is probably one of the most exciting moments, I think. Um, you might even have seen the red arrows flying overhead, depending on where you are on the um, start line. And then, when you get to the end of the Tyne Bridge, you'll you'll turn left. And you'll you'll go along with what's called the Felling Bypass. You'll pass the Gateshead Stadium, which is a great athletic stadium. That's on your left-hand side. And then around about seven kilometres or four miles, you'll be at the Hewitt Roundabout. And to me, that's like the first big, you know, right, I'm at that point now. And, um, you know, the great thing is all the way, you'll have had crowds of supporters cheering you on. There'll be bands playing music. And, um, you know, that's just uh, a great start to, to the race. So just think of that feeling uh, when you're out training. Yeah, I have to say, Eileen, you can tell that you have done that race so many times. The fact that you're saying you'll turn left and then there'll be this and that. You know, I, I don't know any of my routes in that amount of detail. Yeah, so well, I have impressive. done it about 12 times now. So I think I know it. And um yeah, and, and it's to be fair, when you, you know, the more you do it and you chat with various friends, people will say, oh, you know, I want, did you like that bit? And did yeah. you see so-and-so? And that kind of thing will 
will keep you going afterwards. Yeah. And you find your landmarks, don't you, that you look out for? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and there's, um, well, I'll share more as we go on through the weeks, but there's there's some fun things that happen along the way. Yeah. Okay, okay. So, so really, our message is get a plan mapped out so you'll have clear steps to building up your mileage over the coming weeks. So let's now move on to the nutrition milestones, Zaley. Okay, well, I think, um, you know, at the start of your training plan, this is the time to check your nutrition and make sure you've got all the important foundations in place. So for if you're running distances up to 90 minutes in duration, for most, most runners, there's no need to add in any sports nutrition. And by that, I mean pre, during and post nutrition to support your running and recovery. But it is really important to make sure that you've got good foundational everyday nutrition in place. Um, and, and that will really uh, it's really important to support your overall health and this easy level of running. And, you know, if you're a total beginner, you might be thinking it's not easy. But, you know, in terms of what we're going to do, this is the, the sort of the, the lighter, easy phase. Um, so over this the series, what we're going to be doing is guiding you on how to practice adding the specific elements of nutrition into your training plan as your training progresses. Um, so, you know, if you followed us for a while, we've talked a lot about foundational nutrition. Um, but Karen, what would you say would, would be the simple suggestions that listeners could check in um, for nutrition foundations? Yeah, well, the, the nutritional foundations that we really encourage are, are eating regularly. So for most people, that will mean three meals a day, spaced approximately five hours apart, ensuring that you're eating protein at every meal. So, for example, having some meat or poultry or fish uh, could be eggs, or dairy or plant based proteins like beans and pulses. Um, having a balanced plate at every meal, and we suggest the quarter a plate of protein, quarter a plate of complex carbohydrates, so that's your brown rice, your brown pasta, your whole grain bread um, and root vegetables, such as such as sweet potatoes, squash, beetroot, carrots, etc. And then having half a plate of the colourful non-root vegetables and, and salads. So we refer to this as our everyday or easy training athlete plate. So really thinking about that concept at each meal. And then if you do need a snack, choosing a healthy nutrient dense snack, which combines the proteins and carbohydrates that I've just mentioned, and then minimizing um, any processed foods and swapping those out for more fresh foods. So those would be the five key um, recommendations for that everyday healthy, healthy foundational nutrition. Oh, that's great, Karen. So that's five areas that we'd suggest that you focus on over the next four weeks to make sure that you've got the nutrition basics in place. Uh, you know, if you just have a little review, you might find that you're doing some of them already, but maybe there's areas that you could fine tune. Um, and if, if you've got all of these foundations in place, 80% of the week, that's going to support energy. So making energy and, and also preventing energy slumps and dips during the day it's going to support having a healthy body composition hormonal balance and it will help even out mind mood symptoms so it's a lot of 
positivity and that's really going to help um and if um if it's something that you think you'd like a little bit more information on uh what we'd suggest you do is is go back and listen to episode 11 which is called nutrition basics for all runners or you could read the accompanying blog on on our website and i'll add links to the show notes so you can easily find that um so that's us looking at sort of everyday foundational nutrition. But Karen, are there any tips on hydration for this level of training? Mm, yeah. So so what I would say here is if you are an experienced 10K runner, you're probably be able to run this distance without taking on additional hydration however it should be that you are well hydrated before you run and um but also take water with you if the weather is hot and then drink water after your run so um so so that would be if you're already an experienced 10k runner if you're a beginner runner you might wish to practice carrying say a water bottle and sipping water during your run just so that when you're doing longer distances you've already practiced it and it works for you what i would also say is if you don't actually like carrying a water bottle and it's something I don't like doing I do it sometimes but um, not often Um, you you might consider purchasing say um, a running belt with an added water bottle and sort of that water bottle holders and um, that's what I do because I really like to be hands-free when I when I'm running on the odd occasion I'll take an an extra one and it has to be a hand one but um, but generally I like to be hands-free and for everyone really good everyday hydration should be a foundation so thinking about 1.5 to two litres of water per day for um, everyday living and um, activities. So that would be that would be my advice around hydration. Oh, thanks, Karen. I, I sort of agree with all of that. And I know that when I was a beginner, I did carry my water bottle on every run. I wouldn't have gone out to the house without my water. Um, and I really needed the water. Uh, but, you know, as time goes on and you, you become more practiced and you get fitter, um, you, you don't tend to need the water on the short runs unless it's very hot. So now mm. I, I only really take water out when I do a longer run or if it's a hot day. And, you know, if it's a very hot day, I, I might even have to buy additional water when I'm when I'm out there. Um, so, yeah, good tips on hydration. It's good to get that practice too. Exactly. So, so really, our, our suggested actions for you at this point in your training is to get a training plan mapped out really for the next 16 weeks and do a check-in on your nutrition and your hydration foundations. And if you're finding that there are any areas which need a little bit of enhancement maybe, then take the actions now to get all that in place over the next four weeks before your um, training starts to escalate. Okay, so before we move on, Aileen, shall we just take a a short advert break? Yeah, sure. So this is the moment in the episode where we take a minute to tell you a little bit more about what we do outside of the podcast. And we really hope that the information and the advice that we're going to be sharing in the coming weeks will support and guide you in your Great North Run preparations. However, we do know that some of you will want some additional support and you might want that sooner rather than later and if that's the case um, I thought today I'd just highlight a few areas where we can help 
Um, so you'll find all of this on our website, which is runnershealthhub.com um, on the work with us tab at the top of the menu. Um, so we've got um, three uh, ways in which you can work with us that would, would be of um, help to you. So the first one is we have something called the Half Marathon Plus video lesson. And that's a 30 minute video with a downloadable PDF of our athlete plate diagrams. And that will help you um, be able to adjust macronutrients as your distance increases. So that's quite a light um, piece of um, education and, and lots of tips to help you if you're running a half marathon or a longer distance. Um, we also have the Easy Nutrition for Healthy Runners video program, uh, which is sort of our signature program, really. And um, that includes lots of downloadable resources. Um, there's videos and um, action steps for you to take. And you can do that over a 14 day uh, period or you can spread it out over a longer period. Um, and really, the, a lot of the advice that we're sharing with you during the, these episodes is based on that advice there, but in the in the program we can go a bit deeper and we can share you share with you lots of resources. So there's lots of um, things that you can download, um, and more importantly, I think is the opportunity to join our weekly Zoom coaching circle, which is on a Thursday. So we run it twice on a Thursday, once at lunchtime, once early in early in the evening. Um, so you can join in in with us and you can ask your questions. So if something's coming to you during these um, episodes, you can uh, pop on that call and ask us a question. And also within the program, you, there's a bonus where you can book uh, a 30-minute one-to-one uh, food diary review Zoom call with us. And that's going to help us fine-tune uh, your food plan. So um, if you've been listening today and think you'd like to know more about how to apply everyday nutrition alongside sports-specific nutrition, we think this program's a great place for you to start. Um, and we also have uh, one-to-one personalized nutrition programs. So that's a one-to-one -one option. So that's you working directly with us on your own. And um, that's really for you if you don't want to have a DIY approach and you'd really like some expert guidance um, and it can save a lot of, of a lot of time if you've not got the um, the time and the motivation to do it yourself. So as I said, check out our services on our website at runshealthhub.com. And um, if you're not sure which would be best for you, book a, a free call with us and uh, we'd be happy to give you some guidance on the best way forward. And just another um, thing to mention is if you listen to the end of the episode, uh, we've got a special price offer for Easy Nutrition for Healthy Runners uh, just for people doing um, these uh, special milestone series. So uh, listen out for that special offer. Okay, so let's move on to talk about rest and recovery. So over to you, Karen. Okay, thanks for that, Aileen. So really, my message today is to, to emphasise the importance of having one or more rest days. I can't um, overemphasise how important they are. And, and sort of having one or more rest days from your running um, and have that scheduled into your planned week. So if you're making up your own plan, 
pop it in the diary and make sure that there are rest days in there. So if you're a beginner runner, establishing good habits like this, um, such as having a rest day, is important. And if you're an experienced runner, this sort of conversation hopefully will be a good reminder to look after yourself. Um, So the reasons for having a rest day really are that if you fail to allow that adequate recovery between exercise bouts, it could lead to uh, non-functional overreaching, which could deteriorate in time into overtraining syndrome, which potentially comes with the risk of injury, illness and loss of performance, which could ultimately mean that you you can't actually run the race that you're training for at the end of the day. So that's not what we want. No, that can be uh, quite serious and quite disappointing if you put a lot of effort in and then and then you you can't even start the race. So, so Karen, how is a rest day defined for an endurance runner? And should we have more than one rest day a week? Well, I would say that everybody should have one, at least one complete rest day every week. And that means no running and um, no other heavy endurance exercise or indeed any heavy resistance training and just complete rest so that it can allow the muscles to repair and the micro tears that occur during training and during your running allowing those to to heal. Now, a day of complete rest each week helps reduce the risk of the injuries and also helps to avoid mental burnout as well. So thinking about the the psychological aspect of it, Aileen, and the mojo that you were speaking about at the beginning, you know, just just having a rest can help avoid that mental um, burnout that then can result in, in or result from overtraining. Now, regards um, to the rest of the week, it really depends on the individual's fitness and their goals. However, I suggest for half marathon runners having one complete day of rest, like I say, plus two or three other days where you have that are non-running days, but maybe with some um, light exercise could be introduced. So thinking here maybe of easy swimming or maybe a relaxed cycle ride or something like that, where it's it's light effort. So uh, almost like active recovery days in a way. Um, what do you do, Aileen, on your non-running days? Yeah, well, on my non-running days, I usually do a couple of times a week. I'll do a weight training session, and I'll and I also like to have at least one day a week where I do a long sort of hiking type of walk. So that might be eight to twelve miles too. But that obviously isn't a complete rest day because that's quite strenuous and it uses different muscles. But it, it you know, it's quite. Uh, I enjoy doing it and it's good for my legs. Um, but I'll also add in um, three to four Pilates session a week, and that'll be a combination of mass and reformer, and that could be on any day. Um, so I, I like to do a mixture of things, and I think that that just helps it sort of counterbalances what I do when I'm when I'm running um I think if you're a beginner you might be feeling that adding in a lot of different exercise sessions into your plan might feel a bit overwhelming um so you know I think it's really important to remember that 
although you you might sort of think, oh, I, I'm just running and I don't want to do anything else. But if you add in some active recovery that you you described earlier, Karen, in in between your running train days, that that will give your muscles uh, some rest, but you'll still be moving and maintaining your fitness. Um, and I think that's why, you know, if we go back to that original training plan that I talked at the, at the beginning of the episode, they intersperse, you know, you do some exercise, you have a rest day, you do some exercise, you have a rest day. And that's the way it sort of builds up over the plan. So active recovery is really helping your body to recover and heal. Um, and a rest day workout, which is active recovery, gives you your body an opportunity to bounce back after a hard session or a hard week of session. So today, for instance, I, I've had a couple of days of quite um, heavy endurance exercise. And then today I've done some active recovery because I've been to Pilates and my legs feel so much better as a result of it. Because mm-hmm. you've done the constricting work and now you're mm. doing the stretching work and the strengthening work. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. So really what our advice is when you're making your running plan, add in one full rest day and some other light exercise on your non-running days. And, and, you know, we've given you some ideas, but whatever works for you and whatever it is that you enjoy. Um, I'd also suggest that it would be a good idea to either schedule your training plan into your diary or just have it on a piece of paper for easy reference. And I think by doing that, it can really help make it happen because we can think about what we're going to do. But if it's not written down, sometimes it doesn't happen. So that's a, 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 a an easy thing to do that will hopefully keep you on track. OK, so our next topic today is to consider injury healing and recovery tips. Although we do hope that this early on in your training, you're not actually having any or or many issues at all. So Aileen, what can you tell us about uh, healing and, and recovery tips? Yeah, well, again, you know, I think it's just really been aware. And what I wanted to share with everyone today is I think it's really important to be aware of how you're feeling, especially if you just begin um, embarking on a training uh, program and maybe it's something you've not done before. So it's really important to notice any niggles of aches and pains and muscle tightness. Um, and if you do notice them, please don't ignore it because you might be setting yourself up for an injury. Um, so my top two tips this early is to say, um, if you notice anything like that, make an appointment with a physio or a sports massage therapist. Or you could also uh, consider your running shoes. Um, are they fit for purpose? And maybe it's a good idea to go to the local running shop and get get checked out. So those, that, that would be my starting point, really. Um, so thinking about physio or sports massage, well, I, I'm a great believer in this. And I think it's something I've learned over the years. Um, you know, and I, when I was saying earlier about going and getting it checked out sooner rather than later, I can't tell you how many times physios or sports therapy people have said that to me. And, and so you've got to take it on board. Um and often, um, you know, a, a physio clinic or sports massage therapist will offer a short 30 minute consultation to assess what's going on. And they'll either uh, offer treatment or some exercises to resolve the problem. So what I tend to do as my training is stepping up 
is I will, you know, as a preventative measure, I'll book in some regular sports massages. Um, and that just helps when I'm doing the longer distances because it, it just keeps everything in check and I'm less likely to pick up an injury. Um, you know, so it's it's a 30-minute session maybe every other week that I'll do. And, um, and I think that really, it stops me having to, you know, have the intensive physio when things go wrong because I'm ahead of the game. Um, and I think the other thing that you might want to think about doing is if you've got a PT or you are a gym member, whenever you're in a class or you're doing a session, just mention any niggles to them because often they can say, right, just stop, do this. And that kind of on the spot advice can be really invaluable and it can um, just, you know, make a little difference. And it might be something that's tight or something that needs relieving that you can just do some exercises and that can help. So that, that would be, um, you know, a, a good, um, little bit of advice there I think and what about running shoes Karen have you got any tips that you can or any insights that you can offer about running shoes yeah well I'd agree with what you said Aileen you know get your shoes and your gait checked out and and lots of running shops will have treadmills and can assess your gait and your biomechanics and style and will then recommend the best shoes for you depending on how much support you need and what your biomechanics are now, running gait analysis will um, help you find out what type of pronator you are as well. So do you pronate inwards, outwards? What's, like I say, what sort of um, level of support you might need? And I always think it's um, it's really good to invest in new shoes. Um, if say, you've been running in them, them, the ones you've got for a long time or you're stepping up your, your distances, but also thinking about making that investment early layer in your training program so that you can um, ensure that they fit comfortable they're the right shoes for you you can test them out before you then start to increase your mileage and get closer to the um, to the race day so earlier rather than later regarding sorting your shoes out would be my um would be my advice there. And, and thinking about niggly injuries and things, Aileen, what sort of niggly injuries have you had during training over the years? Oh, quite a few. I mean, I, I remember thinking, you know, that I never seemed to get any injuries. And then, you know, probably, I don't know, five or six years ago, I did start picking up things. So I remember having an Achilles problem one year. Another year, I had a piriformis pain, which is really deep into the hip. And, you know, there have been others. And, um, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, it's sort of just a few weeks before the, the race and then you're thinking oh no you know will I be able to do it and um what can I do to you know get my, myself to the start line and sometimes it's been a lot earlier and it's be because you know I've probably been over enthusiastic in my training and that's sort of set me up for a problem um so I, I think the main thing as I said earlier is to get them dealt with early so you know it can be managed alongside your training and uh you know, not let it develop into anything too serious. And, and most of these people, you know, the physios and the, the sports therapists, you know, they'll they'll know your psyche, they'll know that you really want to do the race and they'll do anything they can to, to help you, um, you know, achieve your goal. So they're not there to stop you doing anything, they're there really to help you do things. Um, so, yeah, 
get you make friends with your physio that's what I would say (laughs) (laughs) yes absolutely and also remember the rest and active recovery and cross training that we've talked about as well today because they're all going to help you stay strong keep you balanced and flexible and that also is going to help keep you injury free so there's lots of things um, that you could start thinking about and putting in place to to help you stay injury free at this point in your training and throughout. Okay, so our next discussion point is all about mindset mojo. So Aileen, what does that mean to you? Uh, Well, I think it starts for most people with uh, tapping into what I call your big why. I'm sure there's lots of other people have called it your big why in the past as well. So knowing what your big why is gives you the motivation to train and to do your best to prepare for a for a great race. Uh, and that's something we're going to be talking about over the next few episodes. So we're going to be talking about different aspects around developing a positive mindset and resilience. Um, but I think, you know, starting when, you, when you're setting any goal for yourself, uh, working out what your big why is will help you keep on track. Mm. And I think really taking part in any endurance race, be it a half marathon, a full marathon or an ultra, kind of involves a, a certain level of commitment. And really your big why could could include lots of different things, including uh, maybe it's a personal challenge, um, distance or a personal best, maybe. Uh, really, you could be thinking about your big why as um, just being able to get fit or stay fit the event itself maybe you've seen it on the tv and you just want to experience taking part a bit like the great north run maybe you're doing something in memory of a loved one or to raise money for a a charity that's dear to your heart or maybe all of the above actually everything that i've said is maybe a reason or your big why to um to taking part in, in an endurance event so Aileen, thinking about that, what was part of your original big why and what is your big why for keeping doing the Great North Run every year? Well, I mean, as I said, my great, my first Great North Run was back in 2009. And I, I guess, you know, I was set a challenge um, by my personal trainer at the time. And um, I'd started running. Um, I'd, I'd done a lot of gym work. Um, and but that that year, the year before that Great North Run, I'd started doing a bit of running and I'd done a 5K late in 2008. And I think in my last PT session before Christmas, he said, um, I think you need a goal for next year. And I'm thinking Great North Run. And I nearly died at the thought of it. Um, but that sort of sowed the seed. And around about the same time, a close friend of mine was recovering from cancer and, and wanted to do the Great North Run as a way of proving to herself that she was better. And I, you know, I was fit and healthy. And I just thought if she can even think about doing it, then, you know, I've got to, I've got no excuse really. And um, and that's what set me off. Yeah, that is a great big why. Um, so that's what set you going in the first place. What keeps you doing it every year? Well, I think you just get the Great North Run bug. You know, a lot of people only ever do it once, but there's a lot of people, you know, serial offenders. They just want to do it again and again and again. And it's on my doorstep. And so it's 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 easy logistically for me to do it every year. And, um, you know, I'm always very grateful that I don't have to travel hundreds of miles to do it, although I know lots of people who do. 
Um, and it just gives me a focus every year. It's something to train for every year. And some years, you know, I'll do more half marathons and, and some years it's only been the only one um, because of various different circumstances. Uh, but I just really get inspired. Um, I get inspired when I do the park run every week as well, Karen. I, I, I get inspired seeing runners of all ages and all abilities. And when I'm in the race, I'm just in awe of all the amazing uh, runners who are running for charities, running in memory of loved ones. And and when I'm training, uh, my motivation is how can I be fully prepared so that I can enjoy the day from start to finish and and not feel terrible while I'm doing it. That's my main thing. I want to I want to enjoy it and I want to feel fit while I'm doing it. And in previous years, I used to be focused on, you know, every year I wanted to get a better time. And um, But now I, I've sort of relaxed more and I'm just focused on, on being fit and enjoying the event. And, um, you know, when I look back on my first Great North Run, I mean, I worked really hard to, to be ready. But looking back, I wasn't fully prepared. And there were some hard moments and phases along the route that um, I I wasn't prepared for. And that's why I'm really keen to do this series, because I think the better preparation everybody has, the more they'll enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with that. So we've learned about your big why, Aileen. I have to say it would be great to, to know what everybody else's big why is for your big race this year, whether it's the Great North Run like Aileen will be doing or maybe another race. So please do share with us on Facebook. Like I say, we'd love to hear from you. Could be Facebook, could be Twitter, or you could email us at hello at runnershealthhub.com. And um, and we'll give you a shout out on, on one of the future episodes of this series. So, so do get in touch. OK, so our final talking point today is uh, really to have a quick look at the Great North Run history and some great factoids, hopefully, Aileen. I'm expecting great things from you to get <laughs> you warmed up for the race. So, um, so I'm going to give you a couple of, of things, some pieces of information first. So the 2022 um Great North Run will be the 41st Great North Run. Aileen, just thinking about that, sorry, I'm interrupting um, my flow here, but did they have big celebrations on the 40th um, Great North Run? Was there anything special at that event? Well, well, yeah, I mean, the special thing last year was that we'd missed the year before because of yes. COVID. So we were all very excited that there was actually a race, yeah. um, but it was a different route that year. We didn't do the normal route, so it was very different. Mm. Um, we ran out and we ran back through the city centre. Um, really? So it was very different, yeah. Um, yeah, but, so you know, this, yeah there always, it always feels like a celebration. I mean, I, there was one a few years ago where it was the millionth Great North Runner and nobody knew who the millionth person was going to be. And so everybody wondered, would I be the millionth person that crossed yes. the line? Uh, so that was quite an exciting. There was a lot of people in the, in the, um, in the race that year. So yeah, it's, um, every year yeah. is a celebration, but yeah. Uh, yeah. And exciting by the signs of it as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So the first race actually took place in 1981. And in that race, there were roughly around 12,000 runners taking place, taking part. Nowadays, it's about 57,000 runners that register for the start line. So that's a huge number, a huge group of people all getting together to run. Now, although over 57,000 runners register, 
finishers are generally in the region of around the mid 40,000s. And that generally is because some runners just don't make it to the start line. And that could be for various reasons. I've no idea what the reasons are, but there could be lots of different reasons why people don't actually make it to the start line. So Aileen, what what can you tell us about um, lining up and what's it like to to be there with such a massive crowd of runners? Well, it's it's amazing, really. I mean, it's a, it's the start line's just a massive colour and a sea of people, um, you know. And if you once you're in the pen, it, you you can't you can see all these people in front of you. And if you look behind you, you know, there's like it feels like there's miles of people behind you as well. And um, you know, mostly you're standing shoulder to shoulder with people in your zone waiting to move forward that was what was different last year because we were all spread out because of of covid so that was a slightly different experience too um but you know there's lots of rituals before the start you know there's the mass warm-up exercises uh, you get an opportunity to watch the big screens and you'll see the elite runners um set off you know which is always very exciting there's a local dj alan robson who you know, he, he's just like a, a, another iconic part of the, the start because he gives a commentary on all the runners crossing the start line and he's shouting people's names out and he's shouting out who's running for which charity and who's in fancy dress. And, you know, it's a bit of a party feel at the mm-hmm. start. And then, of course, the other thing is running across, listening to local hero as you start the race. So, yeah, it's, it's all very exciting at that point. Yeah, absolutely. So exciting. And I suppose having all that excitement at the start kind of helps gear you up and get you in the in that frame of mind for doing the race, doesn't it? It's really um what's the word? Motivating. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's 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 unusual, shall we say? It's very yes. unusual because you sort of want to get started, especially at the you know when you you've not done it before. You feel nervous, you know. You yes. just can't even believe you're there, and uh, you just want to get going. And there's a lot of hanging around, um, so mm. it's good that there's all those things going on because it is a bit of a distraction while while you're waiting to get started. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Aileen, right back at the beginning of this episode, you mentioned Oggy, Oggy, Oggy. And I'm fascinated by by that. Um, Do you not know about that? No, I <laughs> really? know nothing it's... about Oggy, Oggy, Oggy. And you yes. promised to tell us more. So I'm all ears, as I'm sure many people are who haven't done the Great North Rome before. What can you tell us about this chant? <laughs> You're such a London girl. So, so yeah, Oggy 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 is a chant used at the Great North Run, and um, you you hear it when you when you're running through the the underpasses at the start of the race, the motorway underpasses. There's usually somebody, a runner ahead of you, that will shout out Oggy Oggy Oggy, and everybody behind them will shout Oi Oi Oi, and uh, it sort of echoes around everywhere. So it's very, um, it's it's just another fun thing to do, and yes. one you're further along the um the course you'll find little kids will shout it out to you so that's again it's just like you know when you're running along it's it's sort of a fun thing to do but apparently I knew nothing about this but I've done a little bit of research apparently the chant um is said to have its roots in Cornwall and there's lots of different theories about the chant but apparently Oggy is a slang term for a Cornish pasty, believe it or not. And um, it said that the pasty sellers would shout this at the 
um, the sailors in Devon and Cornwall, um, ex- and they, the typical response response was oi oi oi, and apparently this was adopted by the navy, and then it started being used in that, at football and rugby matches, you know, throughout the sixties and seventies. So maybe other people have heard it there. So I've, as I say, I've got no idea who started it at the Great North Run, um, mm-hmm. but it's a fun, it's a bit of fun. Um, so uh, yeah, yeah, that's what it is, Karen. <laughs> Ah, I really like that factoid, Aileen. And I have to say, it, it's, it's quite fascinating that there is such a history to such a simple and fun chant mm. that it goes right back to, well, I don't, we don't know what era, but right back to, to sort of Devon and Cornwall and the Cornish pasty. So I would have never connected it to a Cornish pasty, if I'm, if I'm honest. Oh, you're such a Londoner. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, Aileen, um, that is really takes us to the end of our first of our Great North Run series. Um, but before we go, could I ask you maybe to give us your key takeaways and and also maybe just let everybody know what the focus will be for our next Great North Run episode? Yeah, sure. So just to recap, uh, the things that you've got to get done in the next uh, four weeks is get your training plan mapped out to include uh, one long run every week, Uh, building up your mileage and duration of time uh, so that you're fully prepared um, over the sort of next 12 to 16 weeks. Um, We'd suggest that you add in two or three shorter runs each week alongside that long run and uh, and also some active recovery days and at least one full rest day a week. Uh, When it comes to food, um, the focus is optimizing your everyday nutrition foundations Um, So check in that you're eating regularly, that you're having protein at every meal, that you're following a balanced um, plate at every meal. So our suggestions are a quarter of a plate of protein, a quarter of a plate of complex uh, carbohydrates and half a plate of non-root vegetables and salads. If you need to have snacks, make sure they're healthy, nutrient-dense snacks, which combine a combination of protein and carbohydrate. Uh, We'd also say start thinking about minimizing junk and processed food because they don't really add any value to your uh, nutrition plan. Um, Remember to uh, keep hydrated and practice drinking water while running if if you're a beginner. When it comes to, um, you know, your trainings uh, increasing, we would say don't ignore any aches and pains and muscle tightness. Um, So consult with your physio or sports massage therapist. And it's probably a good time to check out if your running shoes are fit for purpose too. Um, And start thinking about why your big why, why are you doing this? What's going to keep you motivated over the next four months as you prepare for the Great North Run or whatever your, you know, summer or or autumn race is for this year? So that's what we're we're asking of you in the next four weeks. Um, Our next episode will be episode 101 and that's going to be published on the 16th of June so at that point we're going to be 12 weeks away to the Great North Run and what we're going to be talking about is planning what you should eat in relationship to the time of day you're running and we're going to begin to practice pre and post fueling and also we're going to be focusing on sticking to your training plan and your nutrition plan and why consistency is going to be key uh, for success. 
Great. Thanks, Aileen. So hopefully we've got you all started in your planning and training, really so that you can have a successful Great North Run. And thank you for joining us today for our first one. And please carry on listening until the end because we do have a special offer for you. And remember, everyone, don't let nutrition be the limiting factor in your running performance. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode and feel inspired to focus on your nutrition as a vital part of your Great North Run race training plan. During this series, we hope to cover all the vital information you require to have a great race day. Karen and I would love to help you even more, and we decided the best way to do that is to make you a very special offer to join our Easy Nutrition for Healthy Runners program. It's a program designed for runners of all abilities. We take you through a series of short videos and action steps to help you create a food plan to suit your run training. The program includes downloadable menu ideas, food lists, meal plans and athlete plate diagrams for different training levels. But we think the icing on the cake is that part of this program is that you're invited to our weekly coaching circle and we have two short Zoom sessions every Thursday at 1pm and 7pm UK time. So you'll get an opportunity to speak to us in person, to ask questions and get our personal input into your runner's nutrition plan. We really want you to get the best results from this summer's training, so we're hoping that you'll take up our offer. We're offering the programme at a very special price of £97. The full price is £297, so that's £200 off the full price. So that works out at less than £1 a day over 16 weeks, and there's a multi-payment off too. So we really hope that you don't miss out on this very special offer. If you'd like to join the programme, please book book via our website, which is runnershealthhub.com. Look at the Work With Us page and scroll down to Easy Nutrition for Healthy Runners and use the coupon code RACE, that's R-A-C-E, to get the offer. We'd love to see you there and we'd love to meet you in the Zoom room. Thanks very much for listening. We'd like to introduce you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear for Women's Changing Bodies, recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. We think they have everything a female runner needs. First of all, they are high compression to support your legs and bum. They have a deep waistband so they stay up and they don't move about when you run. There's a handy left pocket for your phone and a zip pocket on the waistband which is great for your cards or a key. They also have a hidden tracker pocket for storing a GPS tracking device, and this is a unique safety feature. All Amazing Jane designs, including tanks and tops, are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. Karen and I have been trialing wearing their range for a few months, and we can happily recommend them. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Activewear, please use our listeners' special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. Thanks again to Amazing Jane Activewear for being our show sponsor and for sharing discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases.